An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Right on, kids. Here we go. This is an elegant weapon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode 409. It's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back with us. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, and it's actually been a little while since we uh, gave you the format that you're going to receive tonight. Uh, we took a little break from a wa- for a while. Uh, I was doing a lot of interviews. And it just started feeling like uh, Kickstarter after Kickstarter. And for a little while there, the show kind of felt like it was just a Kickstarter promotion machine. So we, we took a little break. and We just had some friends on and just did the, uh, the old geek out pop culture chatter type thing for a couple episodes which i hope you all enjoyed we're going to continue to do that because there's so much fun stuff to talk about but kids tonight we're going back to the classic format uh there's a lot of people out there uh that i want to talk to and uh i've been missing talking to people so we're recharged we're refreshed and we have a fantastic episode a fantastic guest to return to you with tonight Been meaning to talk to him for a little bit and we finally get together Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the show tonight is Mr. Mark Bertolini. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight, man. No, oh, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm. I, it's been a long time since we uh, first tried to do this, so here we go. So I have a, a bit of a memory fuzz when it comes to meeting you because we we met recently enough a couple shows ago here in Toronto. And I had yeah. heard the news about uh, your book. Uh, is it Argus or the Argus? It's just Argus. The Argus. Yeah. The Ar- the. Okay. Uh, that'll be coming from SourcePoint Press. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. You know, so that kind of uh, respurred your name in my mind. And I was going through my shelf because when I was talking to you at the convention, I noticed Bastard's Waltz, another one of your books, on your table. And okay. I was, I was like, that looks familiar like crazy so i came home and i indeed found bastards waltz on my shelf (laughs) so at some previous show at some previous time i bought your book and we must have chatted but i have no idea or recollection when that was because i meet a lot of folks yeah you know know, go ahead i was just gonna say i you know the the show in march uh toronto comic-con uh was the first one i've done since November of 2019. Right on. So it was a while ago if you when you picked up Bastards Waltz, that's for sure. I feel like it was. I feel like it's been on my shelf for a while because I remember reading it and I remember liking it, but I kind of refreshed myself uh the other day. And yeah, it's a super fun book. It's uh it's a really cool book, and it's cool to see it's uh, still available. So kids, you gotta check out Bastards Waltz. Uh, and you have a whole bunch of titles that we'll get into. Um, but I want to kind of start from the beginning. Uh, where do you come from? So actually, uh, I'm from a, a place called Brampton, Ontario. So just outside of Toronto. Uh, pretty much lived my whole life here. Moved away for a little while and then uh, met my wife and moved back. And we've kind of been here ever since. So you're just typical Ontario suburban upbringing kind of thing? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary there. Besides the fact that, you know, I spent my entire childhood reading comics. There was a comic store right down the street. So I basically grew up there. 
Right on. So uh, this was always in your blood. You were creative right from a kid. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I used to uh, I used to draw a lot. You know, I was that kid in right. school that you know I was always drawing pictures, always you know doing a lot of superheroes and that kind of stuff. And you know, for a long time, I wanted to draw comics. Like I wanted that to be what I did with my life. Uh, and then I realized I had didn't have the patience nor the the technical skill to pull it off. But, you know, while doing that, I was always creating my own characters and, and, and my own stories that I was drawing. So I was like, why don't I just try and just do that part? I always like doing that part. And yeah, I haven't really picked up a pencil to draw a picture in the last 20 years. Did you, but you stayed creative? When did, uh, when did comics come into your life and how did that happen? How were you introduced to the medium? Uh, you know what? Spinner racks at grocery stores really is where I got, you know, where I first got into it. Um, G.I. Joe was, was, was my thing, right? When I was a kid, I mean, watch G.I. Joe, the cartoons, I had all the toys. And as soon as I saw the comics on a spinner rack at the, at the grocery store, I was like, oh, I got to see what this is all about. That's and cool, I, I, yeah, I must have badgered my parents into buying them for me. And then that's when I realized that there was a comic book store, you know, in the neighborhood. And yeah, it was, you know, and now my life is half over. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was playing with G.I. Joe's, uh, yeah, around that time, because we're pretty similar in age. And uh, from what I remember from that time is, you know, how huge the toys were. We all had them and we all played with them like crazy and we all of course watch the cartoon every day um but i was kind of a little too young i think to have gotten into comics by that point i don't remember a lot of my friends really being into comic books because we were we were pretty young when, like in the early 80s when all this stuff kind of started happening but i remember it was probably a little after that when uh i i first got introduced because for me it was uh driving up to the cottage up in muskoka my parents buying me comics off the spinner racks and i remember getting archie and green lantern and stuff and that was my introduction yeah. but uh it's cool that you found them early enough as a kid that uh gi joe the toys and stuff was able to introduce you into comics that's a new one i haven't heard that one yet yeah i mean it was always you know i i loved gi joe when i was a kid and you know i, I mean i know you're not gonna be able to show this but i noticed I recently yeah, yeah recently huh where's the camera there we go anyway I got the the snake eyes of Rashikage symbol tattooed on my arm nice. for my birthday this year when I turned 43. Um, yeah, so G.I. Joe has always been a huge part of my life, and it's what introduced me into the whole uh, industry of comics. And, you know, as soon as you start going to comic stores, you realize how much other stuff there is. So that's where I got into, you know, early uh, Marvel stuff and DC and all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, like my eyes were just open once I got in there. So G.I. Joe was the gateway drug. Right, right. That's beautiful. That works out. And it's such yeah. beautiful timing, too, because, I mean, what, how many years later then? You would have been about, what, 10 years old when Batman 89 came out. And yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. I remember being like about 12 or so. And, you know, comics had only come into my life like six or seven years, maybe before that. And all of a sudden we were getting movies. It was such an, we were such a lucky generation to have been there for that yeah. bridge. You know, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, just continuing on with that flow, uh, you get to high school in high school. Are you zeroing in on wanting to do something creative as a career? Did you said you wanted to draw the comics and that fades away, but do you, you still want to get involved in that industry somehow? 
Yeah, I mean, when I was in high school, I was really lucky that I had a, a really cool art teacher all through high school, the same guy every year, um, who was also a big comic book fan and literally used to let me sit and draw comics in his class every day, which was great. You, you know, like when you do your year end project, I mean, my, my project every year was a comic. You know, I would spend the whole year working on a comic book. Right. So that was when I was still thinking that drawing comics was going to be something that I did. So it was a little after high school when I when I really made the decision to switch my focus to writing. And at first I thought I was going to do I was going to be a novelist because I was getting into all kinds of Stephen King and stuff. Uh, so I was like, well, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to write novels. I'm going to write horror novels. And, you know, I wrote a bunch of, you know, crappy Stephen King knockoffs. Right. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, then I realized that comics was really what I wanted to do. And, and you have to realize, too, like this was still kind of before the Internet, really, like before it was a big thing. I was like, I don't know how to write a comic book. I don't know what a script is. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Right. So my first my first attempts at writing, I mean, basically, I didn't write anything. I just kind of like sketched it out. And I was like, OK, well, there you go. That's that'll, like, that'll like work. Thumb, like thumbnail style kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I would be like, okay, well, now what do I do? Like, I, you know, I was I was lost for a long time, but uh, I eventually cobbled together some, some style, and I still use it to this day. It's the same thing. That's cool, man. That's I've never heard of, of an artist kind of using that kind of transition. You know, that's a really cool way to take a step from drawing, you know, to writing is kind of a storyboard you know, type thing, I would guess that makes a lot of sense. You know, you're kind of, you don't just go all of a sudden from pictures to words, kind of bridge yourself over and slowly, you know, pace yourself. That's a cool idea, man. I like that. People should try that. Yeah. I mean, it's good advice. I, yeah. Like, I mean, I eventually phased that part of it out. You know what I mean? Like I could hold all the stuff in my head, Mm -hmm. but at first I had to have, I needed that visual Mm -hmm. for my, just for my own, my own self, my own sake. So um, I don't do it anymore unless there's something really specific that I'm trying to convey to an artist and I can't describe it. Right. Then I'll try and draw a picture, but pretty, uh, pretty rare that that happens anymore. That's cool. Full transition. I had a art teacher, uh, through middle school. So six, seven and eight, I had the same one every year. And, and that was around the time of Batman, actually. I think it came out when I was in grade six. So we were all drawing comics like crazy and we're all super into comics and she was kind of iffy about it you know uh she didn't mind comics but she didn't like that we were always copying and we were copying constantly right and that's how we were learning and then she as a treat for us actually brought in a comic book artist i cannot remember who whatsoever it was probably just the local guy or something but i remember that she brought in a comic artist and uh you know, we brought that up right away because we used to argue with her all the time about it. And we were like, can we trace is like or like not trace, but like, can we copy? Is that OK? And he was like, oh, copy all you can. And like <laughs> copy, copy, copy. Absolutely. Practice, yeah. practice, practice. And I, I'll never forget the look on her face. She was kind of like shut up for us all. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget that, you know, so that was uh, that was super cool. So when you say after high school that you decide to focus on the writing, do you get educated or do you just start self-teaching? Where do you go from there? Well, I actually went to uh, the University of Windsor uh, on a creative writing. Oh, yeah. As, as in a creative writing course. Yeah. So 
my career there didn't last too long, but that was kind of where I really got back into comics because I, you know, I lived on campus and there was a little store nearby that was selling, of all things, Wizard Magazine. Oh, cool. Right. And I remember, I remembered reading Wizard when I was a lot younger and I was like, I haven't picked up a Wizard Magazine in a while. So I started reading Wizard Magazine and I was seeing all this stuff about all these new comics coming out. This was right around when, uh, when Preacher was coming out for, you know, okay. um, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff that had a, like a pretty significant impact. Cause I remember reading about this book and I was like, I, this sounds crazy. You know, I should probably find this and read this. I want to know what this is all about. Uh, and then, yeah, so I started, you know, there was actually, I, I ended up finding a little comic book store in the, in, in, in Windsor too, and started picking up comics. And I was like, especially picking up preacher i was like this is this is so different from what i remember you know like this is like a smart comic like written for you know by an adult for an adult like yeah i was like this is this is something that i want to do you know this isn't a whole bunch of explosions and guys punching each other in the face all the time like (laughs) yeah when you realize there's more than superheroes right yeah 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 and then i you know i was like this is this is the kind of thing that i want to do this is these are the kind of comics that I want to make. I mean, it's a long time to get to that point from there, but that was really the the impetus. There was you know trying to do stuff like some of those not not the super early Vertigo, but that sort of midstream where it was Preacher and and Y and Hundred Bullets, like all those all that stuff. Right, right. That, that yeah, that was a major that had a major impact on me. So after you're done in Windsor, do you just come back and go to it? You just put pen to paper and just start tearing them out? Or how'd your plan work? Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, when I, when I came back, um, when I, yes, when I left school, I came home uh, and just started working. And the job I was working at, I was lucky enough that I had a lot of, you know, free time or, you know, uh, unmonitored time, I guess. And that's where I started really trying to write scripts, trying to, you know, just trying to puzzle it together. Do you have a, you have a big uh, mental file cabinet going on in your head? Oh (laughs) God. It's, it's scary sometimes. (laughs) You know what? Actually, I I shouldn't say that because the older I get, the harder it is for me to remember stuff. So I, uh, anytime I have ideas, I I try and throw them into a, like a, like a, like a document and, and actually file it somewhere. So so where does it all begin? What is uh what is the first uh, story you get? Do you get a comic made or do you get a story published? Uh, what what was the first thing that you were like, okay, I'm doing this? So the first book I ever published, uh, well, the first book I ever lined up with a publisher was a story called Long Gone, which was like a post-apocalyptic thing where instead of zombies or vampires or anything, superheroes all the superheroes teamed up and decided that they wanted to run the earth and they wiped everybody out. Okay. And, you know, I had this idea and I, I, I had hooked up on a, there's a web, there was a website, I think it's still going on called digital webbing, um, which was kind of like a artist and, and colorist and letterers, writers would all get together and sh- sort of show off what they could do and, you know, you would make contacts and try and do stuff. And and I met a guy and I pitched him this idea. I just like, I have this idea. I'd like to try and make it. And he was like, well, I like it. It sounds cool. Like, let's do it. So I said, okay, great. So we actually put together 
eight pages of the story. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> um, and I just started like, you know, Googling, like who, who, can I, who can I send this to? And one of the first places that I saw that had like an open submission policy was Marcosia out in the UK. So I just like sent it. I didn't, didn't have like a pitch written. I didn't have much going on. I just sent it over and I was like, I want to make this comic. What do you think? And they actually got back to me and said, it's, this is a pretty cool idea. If you want to make this, we'll publish it. What? Just like And that? I was like, okay, that's... Yeah, so, so, but what I did then was I went back to the artist and I was like, they said, yeah, they want to publish this. Like, let's, let's do it. And he was like, okay, great. He's like, tell them I want $100 a page. And I was like, uh, okay. I didn't know. I was like, sure, I'll let them know. So I went back... <laughs> with like a hundred dollars a page, please. And they said, uh, don't call us again. No, but he just said, not going to happen. Like, if you want to make it, we'll publish it, but we're not, you know, they're saying like, we can get like a top tier Marvel artist for a page, yeah. not some unknown guy. So when I went back to the artist and said, yeah, they're not going to do that. He said, well, I'm not going to draw it then. And then I was like, okay, so like, is this been in the water now? Like what is happening? So that was, that was the first book that I had signed a contract to publish. It wasn't the first book that I got published, though. The first book I ever had published was called Breakneck, which again was like a like a superhero, supervillain sort of comedy. Um, and I had met an artist had a really interesting style, and we put this we put three issues of that comic together literally in about six months, and again just like Googled around to find a publisher and found 215 Inc. And like literally within two months of talking to them, the first issue was was in Diamond. And yeah, it, you know, it was crazy and that was it. So that was the first book to come out was Breakneck. And then Long Gone eventually came out once it was all done. It came out just as a graphic novel. But this is back in 2012. Yeah, man, that's great. When, so that was, yeah, that was my first, my first published work was 2012. So how many published books do you have out at this point? That's a great question. If you sent me a bunch um, so of cover did. pictures, you sent me a shitload of fucking yeah. books. <laughs> so that's actually all new stuff coming out. Like That's going to be coming out over the next couple of years, right? That's the stuff that I'm working on now. But stuff that I've got published already. So yeah, Breakneck and Long Gone. Uh, I did a series at Action Lab called uh, Scum of the Earth. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I did another book. I actually did two more books at Marcosia, one called Knowledge and one called The Hand of Glory. Uh, then I did Bastard's Waltz at Darby Pop. Um <laughs> You're getting around, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the last thing, the most recent thing, I guess, that was published was uh, Bigfoot Frankenstein from uh, uh, Action Lab. So that just finished up uh, a couple of months ago. The, the, the trade came out. That's uh, that's prolific, man. That's really, really cool. I like how you just you seem to have really not wasted a lot of time in your life with much, have you? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I, I, I always say comics, like making comics is like throwing shit at the wall just to see what sticks. Right. So I just, you know, I got tons of ideas and I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of cool artists. And I'm like, 
what's stopping me? You know, there's really nothing stopping me from trying to do something with this stuff. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. you know I'm, 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 I'm lucky in a way that I've gotten like a lot of contacts at publishers that I can, I can show myself to, you know, but it took 10 years to get to that point. Right. Well, it's evident you've put the work in. I mean, to have that kind of portfolio going, it, you don't get there with anything else other than hard work, you know, and determination. So obviously you've been you've been putting in the hours, you know what I mean? It's just uh, it seems you, you use them rather efficiently um, to get that much out there. Yeah, man. that's just super impressive. So of all those uh, very yeah. awesome publishers that you have mentioned. We will mention yet one more amazing publisher that I happen to have a small little affinity for, and that would be a publisher called SourcePoint Press. Now, you have a book called The yes. Argus that SourcePoint is going to be putting out. Now, what is it with this book? Did, did this book already exist before and is getting redistributed? What's the deal? Yeah, so The Argus was originally lined up at Action Lab. and uh, so the first issue came out in February of 2020. So I'll let you do the math really quickly from there about what happened to the rest of it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like COVID basically killed the killed that book. Right. I mean, um, you know, nothing happened with it for a very long time. And uh, we eventually got the rights back and just sort of just shopped it around, you know, just to see if anybody was interested. And, you know, SourcePoint was a publisher that I was interested in working with. I'm just, you know, hoping to find the right thing. And they seemed to dig it. And yeah, we're, uh, I think the first issue is going to be out in September. So it'll be the second time the first issue has been released. But, you know, all four issues are gonna are gonna eventually come out, so I'm uh, I'm really excited. About it. I'm really happy about it that it's finally seeing light of day. Yeah, that's super cool, man. Tell us a little what it's about. So the Argus is a is a it's a time travel story. So it's basically revolved around the the 16 year old scientific prodigy that discovers time travel is is a real thing. Oh, um, and the moment he discovers it all these versions of him from the future come and visit him because there's been a catastrophic event in in the future and the only way to solve it is to get the the, the prime one of them and bring him back to help fix everything i love it i'm a sucker for time travel man so i'm super super excited to read that that sounds super cool yeah it was i mean it was a lot of fun to write because uh, you know, you can basically make up time travel rules, which is fun, right? Absolutely. So I got yeah. to invent how things, you know, I could just make up how things worked. I mean, who's going to dispute my science? Nobody. Right. You know, that's what uh, I love about comics, though, man, is that you can kind of beyond go beyond whatever they do in other mediums. Like now, whenever a movie makes, like if a time travel movie is made, for some reason, it feels it has to stick to these certain rules of the movies that have come before it or zombies all zombie movies feel like they got to stick to certain rules but with comics you can go beyond that you can because you're not there's there's so much less risk in comics you know there's not some big entity dropping to 400 million dollars on on a project that no we've got to have certain things that's what i love about comics is you can be like fuck it let's try it yeah. this way right 
I love that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of our our idea going into it um, was to basically make like a four hundred million dollar movie, but on paper, right? So it has a, a lot of really huge set pieces and you know uh, a pretty pretty big cast. So the actual name, the Argus, is 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 the the name of a mythical giant in Greek literature who was said to have a hundred eyes. So in the comic, the organization, the Argus, which is essentially a temporal police force, is made up of a hundred different versions of the same guy Whoa. from different points in his life. That's a cool idea, man. I bet you that was a fun moment yeah. when I came to you, wasn't it? It was. It was. That was one of those things where I was like, has somebody else done this? Because I feel like somebody else should have done this. And then, uh, yeah. So I, did, I just ran with it, and it's got some amazing art, amazing, beautiful art by uh, Daryl Nickram, who is the co-creator. And yeah, I I can't wait for people to see it. You know, Ooh. some people may have gotten a glimpse of it once, but wait till you see the whole thing. Where's Daryl out of? Daryl actually lives in Japan. Oh, cool! Right on. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, it's, it's really rad that you're just up in Brampton, man. Uh, you know, because, <laughs> well, it was like, it was a few years back and source point, you know, started coming up to Toronto and started, you know, putting their foot through the door a little bit. And back then there wasn't a single Canadian creator involved with the company in any way. And at the time, uh, you know, without getting too deep into the situation, of course, people know how I feel about it. But Chapter House was the only possibility at the time. And things weren't going great. And, you know, when I met SourcePoint out in Michigan, there was a real like sub pop, like punk rock family feel to this. It was it was it was people who were just wanting to put in the grind. Right. It was about the shows. It was about the people. It was about putting the books in the hands of the people. And it was just an amazing thing. And I was like, oh, we so need that back here. And, uh, you know, they started coming up, started creeping in. And now we've got this list, you know, that's, you know, Aisha Han and Sean Daly and Devin Wong and so many folks getting involved. And now we can add your name to the list, uh, which is amazing, man. I'm so proud of the fact that uh, SourcePoint has been able to find its niche here and uh, support a lot of creators and help bringing their ideas to reality, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I remember seeing source point booths at shows, you know, for a while now, like, and I was always like, like, this is really cool because these guys have, they have, like you said, that sort of indie vibe, but they're, they're run like a proper company. You know what I mean? Like this, it's, it's a real company. It's not a bunch of dudes that are, don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, this doesn't seem really organized, you know, in comparison to a lot of booths you'd see at a show. I was like, these guys, these guys have a, a good idea of what they're up to, you know, and I always like that. And even just talking to guys, you know, I mean, the one guy I remember meeting besides yourself was uh, was Bob Sally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just, and it just seemed like everybody was, you know, had the same vision, you know, and I, and I, and I really thought that was cool. Enough so that the arts is not the only thing that I'm doing with SourcePoint. Oh, uh, I'm going to have another book probably next year um, called Wrath. 
which Ooh. is about the, the seven deadly sins, about the, the runt of the litter of the seven deadly sins. That uh, it's, it's actually going to be a series of one shots. And I'm doing it with, uh, with Stefano Cardicelli. I'm not oh. sure if you're familiar with his work. I'm not, no. But that's exciting. He's got some... <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, Stefano's got some fantastic art, like crazy, like over the top, like super yeah, crazy looking stuff. So, yeah, it's actually, I'm, I'm really excited about that one, especially because to me, like, you know, I wrote the artist like four or five years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, so I'm, I'm happy for it to come out, but I'm, I'm really excited about working on Wrath. Cool, man. Well, it sounds like you're working on a lot of things, man. Do you, being a, a pretty experienced writer at this point, do you use an editor? Uh, yes, not all all the time. Um, but some of my more recent stuff, just because I've been getting, um, I don't know, how to say, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a pompous, but some of my newer stuff is I'm, I, you know, I'm working with bigger publishers. And there's an editorial component to some of that stuff. So, man, you cannot uh, understate the uh, the importance of an editor. I push it all the time. I'm t- always telling folks they're more they're they're more than spell check. You know, they keep you in line. They keep you concise. They keep oh, yeah, you making yeah. sense. They keep uh, they keep your narrative yeah. clean. You know, it's a very important underrated role when it comes to the the comic book world. You know. But, uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. And even I look back at some of my old stuff where I was just doing it myself 100%. And I'm like, oh, I started a, t- a tangent there. I didn't, that never went anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's like like you were talking earlier when you came up with that idea, uh, you know, for the force made of all of the same guy. It's like an, oh, that's cool moment where you're thinking, you're thinking, you're writing, or you go, oh, that's cool. And you write it down. And then you just kind of you're so excited that, you you know, your your energy just kind of overtakes you. You know, I've had I've had those moments when I've been writing stuff that, you know, all of a sudden you're three pages into what you you only needed a paragraph. But all of a sudden it's three pages of yeah. this idea just because you thought it was cool. Right. But uh, yeah, editors can be helpful to be like, yeah, it's a cool idea, but, you know, it doesn't need that much cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That used to be a major problem I had is I was too worried. You know what I mean? I try and cram way too much stuff into like a balloon. Right. And I actually right. had somebody at one point say, you gotta, like, you gotta cut that down. No one wants to read that much in one, one panel. Yeah. And I, I was like, that's... well, you're right. Because I don't want to read that much. In one panel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's an average problem though. Cause like you, you mentioned him before, Bob Sally, uh, if anyone's not familiar, you don't listen to this show much. But Bob Sally is responsible for Salvagers and Ogre with our own Sean Daly, as well as uh, you can see, but the people can't. This beautiful broken gargoyles poster uh, on my wall yeah. over there. Um, but that that's uh, that's kind of how Bob cleaned up as he went through, you know, Salvagers, pretty, pretty thick and heavy word balloons. But by the time you get to broken gargoyles, it's it's a it's much more precise dialogue and precise you know storytelling. So. It's uh, I think it's a yeah. ge- general evolution of the process, you know. Yeah, and I think it's also uh, partly like starting to trust what your artist is doing. Absolutely, more. you know what I mean. Like, I don't need to say what's happening here because he's they're showing what's happening here. 
Right. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of just trying to get out of my own way most of the time. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so when did convention life start for you? When did you start doing cons? Uh, 2013, I think, was my first con, my first Toronto Comic Con. Oh, and I had I, I got a table with a buddy. Yeah, and I had I had one comic. I had the first issue of Breakneck. That was all I had at the table. So I was like, I was like, is this is this how I do this? I have no idea, but it was fun. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I'm not the best con guy. Uh, I'm not super uh, boisterous or super outgoing at cons. Right. So if you come over and want to check out my stuff, I'll tell you all about it all day. But I'm not going to flag you down in your Deadpool costume to check out what I got. You know, so. <laughs> right. Well, that's all you need to, to be there for, really, is to, you know, explain the situation and take the money. So, you know, the more books you have yeah. on the table, the more they're going to speak for themselves. But you have a nice setup, man. Your setup, uh, your banner and your books, they all look real nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, I, you know, I try to make it look appealing so that people will want to come over. You know what I mean? That's that's my goal. If I can get you to come and look at it, then 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 I'm okay. Right on. You know, yeah. I know I know some guys that that, that do like you know the the convention scene around here who are like wizards. You know what I mean? I'm like, how are you doing that? How did you make that happen? You know, like yeah. how did you sell that to that guy who had no interest in what you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Some people just have the gift, man. Um, that makes me think of Greg yeah. Wright, uh, Greg Wright of monstrous from source point press. Are you familiar with Greg, Wright? Yes. Yes. Greg. Yes. He's easily the top salesperson in the history of source point press. And I don't know how he does it, but he's, there's something about him. His charm, his charisma is something. Maybe he hypnotizes you, but that guy I just sells and sells like hand over fist. He sells his book and people have learned from him. I've seen other creators just sit there at the source point booth and just watch him for a while. And I've even heard Travis at times, like when people are get frustrated and they'll be like, I'm not selling anything. Like what's happening. He'll be like, watch Craig, just go watch Craig for a while. And yeah. uh, you know, it, the, some people, man, they just got that gift, you know? It's uh, it's cool. Have you just stuck to Toronto, or have you traveled outside the area for any other kind of conventions? Toronto mostly. Uh, I did do one in, uh, in actually in Pennsylvania. Uh, oh. I drove down when when Bastards Walls came out, so Darby Pop had a booth and invited me out, so that was cool. And I actually went to New York Comic Con in twenty fourteen. Uh, when all three issues of the Breakneck were were out in the world, and the first issue was coming to the Earth, so I actually sat at, at a couple of booths at New York Comic Con back then. Cool. This was 2014, you said. 14, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Right on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, mostly it's it's Toronto. Toronto's really the. I mean, they you know they kind of know me, so I you know I'm 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 happy to go. Uh, you know, and I, oh, and I did Baltimore. I did Baltimore, and oh, cool. What was the Pennsylvania one you did? I can't remember what it was actually called now. Uh, it wouldn't have been near Philly, was it? No. Okay. Yeah. No. No. It's it's the the name of the show is escaping me. It was it was a while right ago. On. 
Cool. Well, uh, now you also have this uh, new opportunity being afforded to you because, you know, that's a great thing about SourcePoint is that they like to bring their creators with them. You know what I mean? And, and introduce them to the world as well. So now that we're doing yeah. this, uh, this brand new push across Canada, maybe we'll have to drag you along to a couple other provinces uh, with us <laughs> for the party, man. You know? I mean, you know, I, I would, I would love to do that. You know, and it's the thing, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier, my kids, I got, I got four kids, but they're all, they're all teenagers now. So, you know, if the opportunity presents itself to leave them home alone, well, maybe not a great idea, but I might do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife and I like to, would love to travel and, you know, she's not, she's not as big into comics, but she'll go travel and check out the scenes, you know, while I'm, uh, while I'm doing comics. So, um, yeah, I mean, traveling across Canada would be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, that's cool, man. It's so awesome to have you as part of the team now. I just love it. Our little uh, our little North Ontario family here is starting to grow. So, you know, and a lot of talented people, you know. Yeah, no, it's very cool. It is very cool. Do you have anything else you want to shout out there and pump out there and let the people know before we wind this down? Yeah, yeah, actually, a couple other things. So, um I mentioned, yeah, so Daryl Daryl and I got the Argus coming out this year from, from SourcePoint. Uh, we also put together, we have another five-issue miniseries coming out starting in January from Behemoth called Feeder, which is kind of like a gritty 1980s-style action crime story. Fun. Uh, I got a so Strange Case with Keith, um, which is sort of our twisted take on uh dr jekyll and mr hyde which i think is going to be a lot of fun yeah that's coming out through scouts uh scoot imprint the the all ages imprint so which is interesting for me because i've never really written anything all ages before but uh yeah it's a it's a it's a good challenge oh it's a great challenge man that's going to stretch your stretch your brain in excellent ways yeah yeah and yeah, and then I, I got a, I got a few things. Some stuff I uh, hasn't been announced yet, so I can't really talk about it too much. But yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming up over the next year, year and a half. I love that you got like a couple years planned out. You know, I don't hear that often when I'm talking to creators about what's up next. They never lay things out for the next couple of years for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like I said earlier, like I'm you know I'm lucky. You know, I got I I, I work with a lot of really awesome artists, a lot of really cool guys, and. Uh, you know, we just love making comics and, you know, uh, I just, you know, I, there was a quote at some point, I can't remember who said it, but they said, I want to die looking at a shelf of my own work. Awesome. And I was like, yeah, me too. That's great. That's a nice, beautiful little quote, man. I like that. A lot of people yeah. would appreciate that. Excellent, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out and letting us get to know you a little bit, my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, pleasure was all mine. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we'll get together. Uh, we'll see each other on the weekend, and uh, we'll talk a little face-to-face. And I uh, can't wait to get to know you better uh, over the next couple of years as we enjoy the next couple of years' worth of work that you'll be putting out. Uh, kids, uh, Mark Bertolini, where online can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, at uh, Mark underscore Bertolini. I mean, I'm on Instagram uh facebook you know i mean i i'm there b-e-r-t-o-l 
I and I. It's not easy to spell. It's easy to say. There you go. Right on. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, kids, check out all of Mark's work and stay tuned for the Argus coming from Source Point Press because uh, that's what we like you to do and we appreciate it greatly when you do. Uh, Mark, thank you again. We will talk again soon. Kids, that is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Heck it is.